<laughs> sense of theme here. Hey, it's Gary and Shannon. Uh, thanks for downloading, listening to uh, the podcast of the Gary and Shannon Show. Now, if you want to listen to it live, you can do so every weekday from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. in the greater Los Angeles area on KFI AM 640. Or you can go onto the iHeartRadio app and just type in KFI and listen live, listen to old shows, etc. Make sure that you subscribe not only to this podcast and share it with all your friends, but the pre-post podcast as well, which is bonus content that we can't do on the air for legal purposes. Gary Hoffman. Yeah. Shannon Barron. And I'm not going to brag about how much ass I kicked, but let's just say I kicked every single ass. Gary and Shannon. Well, uh, we have the nine news nuggets. We have Mo on the movies. We have an Oscar preview. We have Swamp Watch. We have a DNA expert coming on to talk about all these cold case resolutions. We have breaking news out of Riverside. We have earthquakes. We have we've got Robert Kraft in a massage parlor getting getting more than a massage. We spent way too much time this morning talking about prostitution and and why men go to prostitutes. And I think Blake learned a lot. (laughs) Blake's been quiet for 47 minutes. He hasn't said a word, and his mouth has been open the whole time. (laughs) What? Wow. Today is also the beginning of uh, uh, spring training baseball games. Are you going to turn? You've already turned it on. You've already turned on. The baseball. Well, yesterday was supposed to be the start, but the uh, the A's and the Mariners got rained out because it was a pretty crappy day in Arizona. Could you? This one's going to be in Florida. This is the the Red Sox taking on Northeastern University. Could you go ahead, since you're playing with the remote control mm-hmm. over there? Could you go ahead and turn off oh, the view? Yeah, you know Because that's didn't see that. like triggering me. Okay. <laughs> visual. Oh, I changed the wrong one. <clears throat> All right, yes, terrorism. we'll change that. Let's start, though. We're going to start with breaking news out of Riverside County. The Turpins have pleaded guilty. Yes, this is a change. They did originally plead not guilty to all of the the torture of their children. They pleaded guilty to a total of 14 charges, including torture. 13 kids were in that house, ranging in age from 2 to 29 We've um, been watching this. Chris Ancarlo is actually in the courtroom, and a little bit uh, later next hour, we're going to check in with him. We are also expecting a news conference from the DA in Riverside County, and when that happens, we'll take that live because this means uh, means a handful of things. They have uh, apparently pleaded guilty to a total of 14 charges instead of the 49 that they would have faced had this thing gone to trial in September. We're learning new details coming out of the House of Horrors more details about how they shackled their their children to beds and, and and starved them David and Louise Turpin were kind of odd in the courtroom and Chris will tell us all about it but he did post some video and it looks like Louise Turpin just could not take her eyes off the prosecutor as he was outlining 
all of the torture that she and her husband put their kids through. It was January of last year when their 17-year-old daughter called 911. She was able to escape from that house in Paris. The children ranged in age from 2 to 29 at the time. These were kids who were severely underweight. They had not bathed for months. The house reeked of human waste. They had stunted growth, wasted muscles. They were beaten, starved, put in cages. There is a recording of the 911 call of the girl who escaped. And she said the two younger sisters and a brother were chained to their beds. She couldn't take it any longer. She says in this high-pitched voice on the recording, they will wake up at night and they will start crying and they wanted me to call somebody. I wanted to call y'all so y'all can help my sisters. Not even herself. She wanted to help the other kids. They were so sheltered. They did not even understand what police officers were when the police showed up at the house. Let's go to Riverside County. The DA is holding this news conference to update this. Mike Each Hasper, of the turbans the have pled guilty now to multiple counts um, of elder abuse, uh, torture, child abuse, false imprisonment. And those pleas will result in two life sentences. They're going to serve an indeterminate sentence of 25 years to life. Uh, each of them are, uh, will be sentenced to that, uh, that, that sentence. Uh, the plea agreement incorporated charges to ensure that the defendants admitted abuse to each of the victims named in the original charging documents. So that was all of, the, all of their children except the youngest. So there's 12 uh, named victims in the charging documents. Let me take a, mo- a moment to explain uh, the, the nature of the sentence so, the, so that, that there is no uh, confusion. The sentence, as I mentioned, a 25 to life sentence is an indeterminate sentence. What that means is that it's a life sentence, that unless a parole board at some point in the future affirmatively decides that they should be released, they will serve the rest of their life in prison. So once we are dealing with an with a indeterminate sentence, the next question is, when will they get their first parole hearing? And as I've said, they've, they've agreed to a 25-to-life sentence. So it's a life sentence with a first parole hearing after 25 years. That does not mean they will be released in 25 years. It means they will be eligible to, have, to begin having parole hearings after they've served 25 years. I need to mention one other thing. There is a change in the law a couple of years ago. Uh, Penal Code Section 3055 went into effect January of 2018, and it, it is known uh, as the Elder Parole Law. So the Elder Parole Law changed, changed things a bit here in California. And what it said is that for, for an individual that's age 60 and over, Once they have served 25 years in prison, they will get a parole hearing. So given the age of both the defendants, essentially what the Turpins pled to today was the maximum that they could get under California law. So in other words, had the case gone to trial and they received 50 or 75 to life, effectively because of the elder parole law, they would have really only done 25 to life in a sense that they would have begun to got 
that would have begun uh, parole hearings after they had served 25 years, regardless of any other sentence that may have been imposed on paper. When I spoke to you back when the case was filed last year, I, I commented that this office was fully prepared to seek justice in this case, that we had the people in place, the skill, the experience to do that, but that we were going to seek justice in a way that did not bring further harm to these victims, because part of our job is to seek and get justice, but it's also to protect the victims from further harm. And I believe that we've accomplished that today. The victims in this case, um, th let me say this. this. This is among the worst, most aggravated child abuse cases that I have ever seen or been involved with in in my uh, career as a prosecutor. And so uh, part of what went into the decision-making on this agreement and this sentence is that the victims in this case would not ultimately have to testify. I will, at this point, what I want to do, and I know you, you probably have many questions, but I want to introduce the people on stage here with me because, um, you know, this is, this is a difficult case. It's been a difficult case from the beginning in the sense of what's involved and, and the kind of uh, crimes that were involved. We're listening to this uh, news conference out of Riverside here, uh, County, the DA Mike Hestron talking about the guilty pleas today on behalf of David and Louise Turpin, the ones who were accused of keeping their kids in just the absolute horrific, filthy conditions in that house. He's introducing a bunch of people on the stage. We're going to take this. Uh, he's going to respond to some questions here in a couple of minutes as well. With the victim advocates. Okay, and let's so just bring this right. down until he takes questions okay. here. There's some more details that a detective was able to fill in about that day that police showed up at this home to free those children. Uh, two girls, 11 and 14 years old, they say, they testified, had been hastily released from their chains when police showed up. A 22-year-old son remained shackled. So it looks like... They knew what the, they knew what was wrong doing, right? They knew, oh, we got to get at least some of our kids out of the chains. But this 22-year-old son said he and his siblings had been suspected of stealing food, so that's why they were chained up, and that they had been tied up with ropes at first. Then they were able to to wriggle free, and uh, they were restrained with the larger chains. On and off, he testified for six years. These kids were chained up. They were allowed to do very little except write in their journals. And holy hell, you what do those, those journals like? say? The investigator testified that some of these kids suffered from severe malnutrition, muscle, muscle wasting. The, the girl, 11-year-old girl, had arms the size of an infant. The 17-year-old could not pronounce words, spoke like a, a little child. Of course, the kids were rarely allowed outside. They did get to go out on Halloween. Odd. And traveled as a family to Disneyland in Las Vegas, as we saw those pictures. They were allowed to take a shower once a year. Wait a minute. What kind of a life is that if the only... There are three places that you know. Las Vegas, Disneyland, and this feces-strewn hellhole that is your house. 
Those are the only three places that you know. That's bizarre. And they're only going to get the rest of their life in prison. In all honesty, that's not, to me, that doesn't seem like enough of a sentence. I know. They should be shackled and starved and only allowed to bathe once a year. What kind of psychology goes on? I'm still completely. That is almost, that's one of those things that I don't think we get to see now that the. uh, Yeah, we don't get to open up that head of the. This is the better resolution. I would not want those kids to have to testify. I wouldn't either. It is. It is. And I I kind of believe, and I, I. I got to believe that the the wife, the mother, went along with this because he uh, he got his claws on her when she was so young and was able to manipulate her. And maybe she's weak minded and easily to easy to be manipulated. But what goes on in his head? Yeah. What causes that? And and what happens for these children moving forward? I mean, 29 years old and you've lived in this house? With the mentality with the of mentality. probably 8 or 10-year-old. Right. Let's go back to the uh, news conference there in Riverside County. The DA is taking questions now and answering um, questions. All of them, including the 3-year-old. And I was very taken by them, by their optimism, by their hope for the future, for their future. Um they have a zest for life and huge smiles, and I was, um, I'm optimistic for them, and I think that's how they feel about their future. Yes, hold on, hold on. So here's how I'll answer that. I, I can't I can't discuss my conversations with them because those are private conversations. Uh, victims in any criminal case have a right to address the court under Marcy's law, and so I don't I don't want to say anything that might preempt them speaking. Uh, they, they may decide they may or may not decide to speak uh, at the sentencing. They certainly have the right to do that. Um, I will say that they were, I think, uniformly pleased that they wouldn't have to testify. Let, let me go. Let me, I'm sorry. I, I know there's, I know you'll have questions. So I'm going to, I'm going to go one by one. Otherwise it gets a little crazy. Yes, sir. The question was, if, if we had moved forward with the trial, would the kids have been forced to testify? I think I've stated that publicly that, you know, when I said, um, last year that we were going to seek justice in a way that, that protected the children from or the victims from further harm, that didn't mean necessarily that no one was going to testify. It means it, it's sort of a broader approach. Had, I mean, frankly, if the defendants had not been willing to plead guilty, then yes, we would have gone forward with the trial and we would have called witnesses. And, and it's very likely that some of those witnesses would have been the, the victims in the case. Yes, sir. I can't speak for them. I really can't. I, I, all I can tell you is that the, the people standing here on the stage with me are just incredible, consummate professionals. They do just great work. And the case was handled in a way that I, that I think um, was at the highest levels of prosecution and the highest levels of investigation and victim advocacy. And I think that made a real difference. Yes. Um, back to the timing of the 
Yes. The the attention that they would have had to go through, the scrutiny that they would have had to go through, um, I think would have, I think made this case different than most child abuse cases. We, you know, unfortunately, I wish I could tell you that this, that, that a child abuse case is rare. It is not. We have entire units that, that focus on child abuse. And we routinely call victims to the stand in, in child abuse cases. So it does happen. Um, what's different about this case is the, the level of media attention. And I'm not, I'm not in any way uh, criticizing you. You have your jobs to do. We get that. But the fact remains that the, the, the level of scrutiny and, and attention, I think, made a difference, and it, and it would have made a difference for these victims. But the resilience is such, and clearly that happens until that this The resilience is such that had they testified, you believe they would have made strong witnesses? I'm not going to comment on, on, on how they might have testified in a court. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to defer on that. So, yes, Brian. Brian, that, that's, an, that's an area that I'm not going to be able to comment on because, again, they, they have the right to testify at the sentencing, and some may decide they want to testify and speak in open court, and I'm sure you'll be there. But I, it's not fair for me to preempt them or you know, s- to speak for them. They have a right to speak for themselves, and I don't, I don't want to um, take the, the, the private conversations they, they gave that they, we had and, and put that out there. It's, it's sort of a respect thing, I think, that they have the first – Opportunity to speak for themselves. Yes. Mike, you've seen some horrible child abuse cases in your career. I know, and I know the other folks up there have as well. Can you talk about the courage of that 17 year old girl? Because uh, just, I, I can say what I said a year ago, which was she showed tremendous courage. You, you know the story. And she showed tremendous courage um, for such a young person. And you know we're we're all we're all still it, it's it's still a very moving story when you think about what it took to get to get there. Can you so. also talk about the resilience of these children? They were living in the most horrible conditions imaginable in suburbia. Iterate they yes, there's a lot of resiliency there. They they all in many ways showed that resiliency and courage. So let me, let me go over here to this side of the room. Go ahead. Press conference about the Turpins. They've pleaded guilty this morning to uh, abusing all their kids. Yeah, the pleas, the, the, pleas, the, the charges uh, we think cover um, a, a wide range of their actions. So we made, we made sure, for example, um, each defendant pled guilty to 14 uh, counts um, each defendant pled guilty to one count of torture, four counts of false imprisonment, six counts of cruelty to an adult dependent, and three counts of willful child cruelty. So th- those charges and those crimes cover a wide range of, of activity. Does it cover everything you described them doing to the children? Or are there things sure. It, 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 No, I, 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 don't, I don't think that's accurate. We didn't, we didn't drop any charges that were that, – that, um, in other words, let me back up. Yes, I, to answer your question, these charges that they pled guilty to cover 
the, the wide range because these crimes are, are broad in nature. So we made sure that each victim was covered in the sense that we, we insisted that the defendants plead guilty to at least one count for each victim. So there yes. Were more than one count on each victim. Yes. And each victim they had to. Yes. College. No. Yes, go ahead. All right, we're going to break away from this now, uh, getting into the weeds here. Um, we've been listening to this uh, this news conference from the district attorney from Riverside County. The big announcement today that uh, that David and Louise Turpin have pleaded guilty uh, to torturing, starving their 12 kids. They will live out their lives in prison and the kids will not have to testify what a powerful moment it will be however if they choose to address their parents at the sentencing hearing that that was the key that i heard in this yeah because they're talking about you know the great in my mind the great thing about this plea deal is that the kids are not going to be compelled to testify uh, against their own parents and describe the horrors that they've had to live i mean they already had to live them and they're gonna. It's gonna be a lifetime of them getting over the abuse that the parents inflicted upon them, and now they don't have to get up there and testify. But there may be some, like you said, who voluntarily get up and speak. I trying to wrap my head around this. There, there, there will a, be. There will be at least one of those kids that addresses the parents. But, but don't forget, and the thing about, the, the weird thing about this is even in a case of abuse like this, these kids don't know anything else. I mean, hopefully they've been told what the, the way that you were brought up was, was painful and yes. horrible, and that's not the way you're supposed to be brought up. But you're still going to see them have some affection for their parents. I know. And I think that's going to be a – that. Fascinating is not the right word because I don't want to turn them into zoo animals, but that's going to be a fascinating thing if if some of them get up there and say, yes, I want them to go to prison for what they did to us. But I love you. But I still love you. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to go. All right. The other huge story of the day is Patriots owner Robert Kraft has been swept up in a prostitution sting. There are a hundred other guys, by the way, that have been swept up, uh, other Johns in this huge sex trafficking investigation that has lasted for eight months. And listen to this. Adam Schefter is reporting. Robert Kraft is not the biggest name involved. What? Robert Kraft, not the biggest name. Now, how many names are bigger than Robert Kraft? Uh, how many? Not, not a lot. Not many, especially not, not lot. now after having won the Super Bowl again. We'll dig into the details. So wait a minute. So he was paying somebody once again to to deflate the footballs? Is that what the... Amy King's got the latest. Well, I'm supposed to save that Come for on. later? I mean, everybody's doing deflated balls jokes. Okay. Every single person. Footballs, <laughs> specifically. Shannon, we uh, went ahead and Instagram lived our uh, show prep today. It's not always like that. Uh, pretty much but is. But it kind of is yeah. like that just about every single day. You check it out on Instagram, at Gary and Shannon. 
And that what's amazing is Shannon turned the camera off moments before Blake hit one of those amazing once in a lifetime crazy trick shot. Yeah. Two basketballs bounce at the same time and the little one goes in the garbage can like you were shooting two. It's our flashback Friday year is 1986 and we're only playing Top Gun music. I found the uh, Top Gun extended soundtrack. 15 songs. Ooh. We have 15 breaks. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. Good job. Uh, big stories that we have been following include a uh, House resolution. Democrats in the House have introduced a resolution that would block the national emergency declaration to uh, fund the border wall. So it looks like Nancy Pelosi is scheduled to vote for Tuesday on this. This is going to set up that constitutional fight that everyone is expecting over this issue. Well, the big story today, the alert that put a big smile on my face this morning as I was walking into work, is that Patriots owner Robert Kraft is being charged with solicitation of prostitution. Apparently he was videotaped twice paying for a sex act at an illicit massage parlor about one month ago. Robert Kraft is 77. Uh, Police there in Jupiter, Florida, say... He has not been arrested. They're going to issue an awar- a warrant. And Robert Kraft has denied any wrongdoing. He's denying the whole thing. Details are not going to be released on those charges until next week. But this is part of a huge crackdown on sex trafficking in an area around Palm Beach County. 200 arrest warrants have been issued recently. More are expected A lot of Johns on this list. And as I said before the break, Adam Schefter from the NFL is reporting that Robert Kraft, not the biggest name on that list. Well, listen to to the way that this was handled in the news conference this morning. They're trying to they had a list of names and reporters were like, Robert Kraft, you mean Patriots owner Robert Kraft? Yes, sir. He he is one of the individuals. Uh, That would be Mr. Robert Kraft. Robert Kraft, the owner of the New England Patriots? Yes, sir. What is he being charged with? He's being charged with the same offenses as the the others, and that is soliciting another to commit prostitution. And how many accounts may he face? Right now we have two. So that would be two separate incidences or visits to the Orchids of Asia Day Spa or one visit with multiple charges from that one visit? Two different visits. Uh, Orchids of Asia Day Spa. Yeah, Orchids of Asia Day Spa. It is a massage parlor in a strip mall. Mm. He's worth $6 billion, P.S. He's also got a beautiful girlfriend. Don't you order in? Sorry? If you are worth $6 billion, don't you get on the horn and call, like, um, you know, hookers for delivery or whatever, and then you have somebody come to your place? Is that like Grubhub? I, I I assume that that's a thing. I don't know. I don't know either. But, I mean, <laughs> you're going to go to Orchard's of Asia Day Spa, where the usual massage is $59 an hour. Um, I Can I read to you a, a, a Yelp review from Asia, yes. Orchard's of Asia Day yes, Spa? Yes, you may. Get it. This is from Alexia. I was in Jupiter for the weekend, and I wanted to get a decent facial at a great price. Went in the 30-minute mini facial and was disappointed, to say the least. The first red flag should have been when the woman that greeted me asked if I wanted to pay for the service beforehand. What is that? Oh, oh, so you know how much you're paying, so you know what you're going to get into. The lights were left off for the entirety of the facial. I was given no eye covers nor a band to keep my hair back. Mm. Furthermore, 
The woman performing the facial conducted the entire thing without gloves and only using her fingertips and extremely long nails to apply the products to my face. I was trying to accept this so long as the facial was decent and I felt like I got what I paid for in the end. Soon enough, the woman's phone began ringing incessantly on the loudest volume possible and she answered every single time. More than this, there was a bright flashing light to accompany the obnoxious ring. Toward the end of the facial, a mask was applied. Once hard, she removed the, ma- the mask. Once hard, the, she removed the mask with her long fingernails only and scratched my forehead in two places. Oh. I would not recommend the Orchids of Asia Day Spa for any services, especially facials. Oh, I've got a I've got a Yelp review okay. for the Orchids of Asia. Highly disappointed I allowed you to give my friend and I a facial and massage. I recommended this place as well to a guy friend of mine whom was offered a table shower, then happy ending. Yes, you. Table shower? I think that means a golden shower, maybe? I don't know. Spitballing here. This is not the town to act like this, and it's a family area. I'm reporting you to the board, and I pray you get shut down. It's pretty sad sitting around a table with Jupiter locals at a restaurant, and few were aware of this when I explained what happened. You're disgusting, and I can't believe I let you touch my face, and I laid on your massage table. Get out of our town. Oh, all caps. Or I'll see to it. Your license is revoked and you're kicked out. Table shower. I'm going to Google that. Table shower starts with T and rhymes with P, and that stands for pool. Table shower. Not in this town, you don't. Found it on Urban Dictionary. It basically means stop right there. That's all it means. Stop while washing. We're not going to Urban Dictionary to find out definitions of what goes on. It's a lot in better to just start Asia reading. Incognito Google window. First face can... down. See? Then I told you she was just going to start reading. Your back. So particular attention can be paid to private parts. Washing of the body by another to... person while laying on a table. So I see so sponge bath. So sponge bath. Do you want me to read the example sentence? Nope. Oh. Nearly all. She's gonna do it anyways. Right? Yeah. Massage parlors now offer the table shower. You can have yours before or after the massage. Bro, I just got the best table shower. Wait, this is the example sentence. <laughs> yeah. That starts with bro. Yeah. One of the hashtags is um, sphere scrubbing. Um. Oh yeah. Uh, Blake. You yeah. were reading us birth dates of people that were swept up in this? Yeah, yeah. Where did that come from? Oh, I found a list of it on Twitter. And I'm wondering, will you send that? Yeah, yeah. And then I'm wondering if we can deduce who the bigger name is oh based my gosh, off the birth dates. Some... <gasps> like, I think we can do some it serious investigatory work yeah. here, and we're going to find out who that person is. Also, we're going to give you an update when we come back after not only our deep dive into the Orchids of Asia Day Spa in Jupiter, Florida, uh, but the latest on the uh, what's their names? Empire? Jussie Smollett. I feel like it's been. I feel like there's so much other stuff going on. He's but- been he's been cut out of some episodes, and then the cast apparently is divided over this. What is there to be divided about? And I'm also ready for this story to go away. Yeah. Like the amount of I- attention that's being paid to this story is 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 getting to be next level. All right, we'll talk about that when we continue. Gary and Shannon. 
maybe this guy, uh, Jonathan Weiss, he's a successful dermatologist. Maybe he was at Orchid's Day Spa for uh, dermatology reasons. Well, the other guy that was the name of recognition was was John Havens. John Havens, the former president of Citigroup. We're talking about the list of names that came out from cops in Florida that have been arrested in a uh, prostitution sting. It's a beyond... 80-something-year-old guy, like a war hero or something? Yes, the, guy named, the guy's name is Daniel Young, and he's not. He, he was born in 1934. Get it. And he was there getting stuff. Now, the problem, it's not just a, it goes beyond just the guys going in there and getting extra favors at the massage parlor. The accusation is that some of these women who were working there were forced to work there. They were never allowed to leave these day spas. They had to live there, and they were working basically as sex slaves for whoever it is that brought them into the country. Most of them came from China, apparently. Daniel R. Young, by the way, the 85-year-old on the list, is very popular on Twitter right now. People are really applauding that. We, uh, we more breaking news. Yeah, we have been talking about R. Kelly as well. Um, in that, in the last couple of weeks, we knew that the Chicago grand jury had been hearing testimony, and now it looks like R. Kelly charged with ten counts of aggravated criminal sexual abuse today in Cook County. He's denied any allegations of sexual misconduct involving women and underage girls for years. His attorney hasn't responded uh, yet in a request for comment. The the thing I hate about, I mean, I'm glad that this guy's finally getting hooked up for, for the things that he's uh, least accused of doing and they can put him on trial, et cetera, et cetera, presumption of innocence and blah, blah, blah. But the thing that I don't like about this is that Michael Avenatti now gets to claim a win in this. This is all about a videotape that the state attorney's office got that shows Kelly having sex with an underage girl. Michael Avenatti gave them that video. Michael Avenatti, lawyer to the porn star Stormy Daniels. Shall we move on to Empire News? Let's do this. Um, The latest Jussie Smollett has, of course, been cut from the last two episodes of this season of Empire. I guess they're the only two that are still uh, they're still filming scenes for. The cast of Empire is said to be divided over the arrest with some standing by him and believing his innocence. He maintains he said, I think the quote was that he told his co-workers, I swear to God, I didn't do it. Oh, well, in that case, he's doubling down. I think it's quadrupling down at this point, yes. if not more. I mean, the go back, I, I don't remember. I don't know. I haven't checked it out in the last couple of days since the announcement of his arrest, but or I should say since soon after the announcement of his arrest. I wonder if ABC still makes that available. You can check out the entire interview that he did with Robin Roberts. It is absolutely worth the watch. His body language, uh, the the words he chooses, his affect when he's sitting there. And people at ABC still back up and defend Robin Roberts and her handling of that whole situation. Because remember, that's right when everything started to flip. That's when everything was changing about this story, and she didn't press him on any of those. He is paid more than we thought. We thought that he was paid sixty-five grand an episode, which is still a, a lot of money. But he's paid a hundred grand per episode, bringing his total for the season to one point eight million, and he wanted more. Did he Did he think he was the biggest name in that show? No, I think that that would be completely nonsensical. 
Oh, so now we're going to start ascribing logic to this guy? I think probably the big stars on that show were making a lot more, and he wanted to get closer to those numbers. That could be true. I just this is this is one of those things that's going to be. Uh, it's definitely not over. One of the things I saw today was that the federal law enforcement agents who have been on this are pushing back a tiny bit on what the police superintendent said the other day in the news conference, specifically that Jussie Smollett sent the letter to himself. The FBI says they're still investigating and haven't come to any conclusions, but apparently are running on the theory that the brothers are the ones, those brothers from Nigeria were the ones who actually sent the letter. But even if that's the case, they did it at the behest of Jussie Smollett. So um, seeing him get hauled away yesterday or escorted into that uh, that big SUV and then driven away, that guy, I don't know what's going through his mind right now. I'm done with him, by the way. I'm so tired of giving him even any more attention, even if it's negative attention. Hey, wait a minute. What? A name just popped into my head. Denise Hoskins. What? We're not wrong, right? I mean... We are not wrong. Okay, good. I'm just, I don't, I... I know. The Denise Huskins rule needs to be brought up from time to time when you and I are opining about something that happened and we were not there. Well, that's part of why we were reticent to really, you know, lay the money down on the table early on, even though I kept See, saying there's this something is, in this my gut This is what gut defense that's... attorneys love to hear. This is what they love to hear. They play, place a little seed of doubt in your noggin there, and then you fail to convict. People are really that bad sometimes. People really are that wrong sometimes. Okay. Okay? The world is full of apples. All right, okay. Right? They're not all as good as you are. We've got a lot of breaking news going on. We've got the Turpin parents that have changed their story. They had pleaded not guilty. Now they've pleaded guilty, which means those kids who are kept in cages do not need to testify. They're going away for life in prison with a sentencing coming up in April. Uh, R. Kelly charged officially with criminal sexual abuse in Cook County. And coming up next, we're going to talk to the woman who is responsible for helping all these law enforcement agencies identify suspects in cold cases using DNA. Yeah, C.C. Moore is coming back to the show. We'll do that when we come back. To Gary and Shannon. Today may be the day that Colin Kaepernick gets a job in the NFL. I mean. Oh, you just mean because there's so much going on? No, I mean, if I'm Robert Kraft, (laughs) I want to bury that headline Uh. underneath (laughs) Kaepernick news. You're going to tell me something we didn't know yet. There's so much going on today. Let's start uh, the local stuff uh, at the bottom of this hour. Chris Ann Carlo is going to join us. He's been out in Riverside County where the Turpins, David and Louise Turpin, today pleaded guilty to abusing, torturing their kids in that just house of horrors there in Paris. Talk more about that, what this is going to mean for their future and for the kids. Also, R. Kelly charged now in Chicago with 10 counts of aggravated criminal sexual abuse. Seems like time is up for R. Kelly. Uh, Time is up for a lot of criminals that thought they got away with their decades-old crimes because public DNA data is outing 
all of them, one by one by one. And one of the names that keeps popping up in these stories is Cece Moore, who is a genetic genealogist who's uh, been on our show before and talked about this. And first of all, Cece, thanks again for taking time for us today. Thanks for having me. Uh, let's talk about a couple of high-profile cases, as much as you can, because I know that you're not at liberty necessarily to discuss too many specifics, but a couple of big cases that we saw locally this week, one of them uh, being Linda Ann O'Keefe, who was kidnapped and killed in 1973, and then another one, Billy Tillett, a kid from Inglewood who was kidnapped and killed in 1990. Um, do can you? What can you say about these cases? I did work on Linda O'Keefe's case very closely with the detectives. Um, Detective Court Depwig was in charge of that. Uh, we were using uh, the GEDmatch database to try to construct that family tree and reverse engineer it back together. Um, but Family Tree DNA is another database that has recently decided to let law enforcement use it. And the investigators uploaded to that database, and they got their key break there. So this case was a little bit different than how I typically um, end up helping investigators. I can't take credit for the quote-unquote solve here. Um, The detectives in this case absolutely deserve all the credit. They never forgot about Linda or her case. And they just tried every new uh, technology, every new tool, everything they could possibly do, they did in this case to finally get someone behind bars. Cece works for Parabon Nano Labs, and this is a lab that is responsible for uh, a number of the cases that we talk about on this show, cases that are finally getting resolutions. Cece, remind us, how did you get started in this? I was using genetic genealogy first just for traditional reasons, which is to find your great-great-grandfather, you know, your great-grandmother's maiden name that no one's ever known through the paper trail. And I started helping people of unknown parentage to try to use DNA to find their biological families. So adoptees, donor-conceived, people that were abandoned as newborns, um, Amerasians who are the children of American soldiers from abroad. And so I developed these genetic genealogy techniques specifically for that, but it turns out they're applicable to any type of human identification, including law enforcement. So for about a decade, I've been helping adoptees and others. In just the last 10 months, I have been using these techniques for law enforcement. Hey, I just have a personal question. I was adopted, and I'm curious, but I'm also very scared to know what the truth is, like who these people are. What's the percentage of people in your in your experience that are pleased with the results versus, oh, I wish I didn't open that Pandora's box? You know, it's really difficult to give a percentage, but the vast majority of cases I've been involved with have ended up with a happy ending. Now, happy ending doesn't equal the same thing for everyone. Uh, What that usually means is that somebody in the biological family has welcomed that person with open arms. It might not be everyone, might not be birth mother, might not be birth father, but perhaps a half-sibling or an aunt or uncle. Um, Even the ones that don't turn out with that sort of dream ending, that happy ending, happy reunion, people tell me in the end they're just happy to finally have that core mystery of their identity resolved. They finally have answers and they can move on. So even if that doesn't mean having a relationship with 
that biological family. It's something they can kind of put to rest and and move on with their life with all their answers. Um, if you know if you're not sure it's something that you want to investigate, you might want to join my DNA detectives group on Facebook. We have 107,000 people using DNA to find their biological families both near and far. And you could just read along. People share their stories. They share their journeys. They talk about how they're doing it and the type of response they get from the birth family and what it means to them. So you could just kind of be a fly on the wall and read for a while, and maybe that would help you decide if you want to further investigate it or if you decide it might just be too much. I've seen a couple of different dates in terms of when it is that you really started getting into DNA gene, uh, genealogy, 2002, 2003, four, whatever it is. But about 15 mm-hmm. years ago is, is kind of the, the ballpark that I'm working with. And the question is, has, has the technology changed over 15 years to the point where um, it's probably unimaginable what we could do today compared to what you were first working on 15 years ago? Absolutely, for a couple of reasons. Fifteen years ago, when I first got involved in genetic genealogy, we only had two types of DNA tests, and those were the Y chromosome test that only males could take, and it was exclusively informative of your father's 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 line. That's it. And then the mitochondrial DNA test women could take and men, but it was only informative of your mother's 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 line. So that whole internal part of your family tree was not accessible through DNA testing. And particularly for women, if we wanted to find out about our father's father's line, we would have to get our father tested, a brother, a cousin, an uncle, someone like that. So around the end of 2009, 23andMe introduced autosomal DNA for genealogy. So they already had their test for health, but they started introducing uh, uh, features that would be uh, of interest to genealogists, particularly one that was called Relative Finder. It was the first time that we could take a DNA test and have our autosomal DNA, which is inherited from all of our ancestral lines, not just those single lines, and have that compared to other people. So the database was very small at the time, but I took my DNA test then, and my autosomal DNA was compared to, I think it was maybe 30,000 people in the database. So at that time, we were just looking at very distant cousin matches, people who shared small amounts of DNA for the most part. I ended up testing about 40 of my family members so I could work with that family data and, you know, self-educate. And I ended up writing a blog about that, first just about that. Um, And then what's changed since then is the database growth. So when you only had 30,000 people, there wasn't much you could do with it. But now that we have about 26 million people tested across the four major consumer companies, you can imagine the power of what we can do has just changed dramatically. I bet you are swamped with uh, law (laughs) enforcement requests to get involved with the cold cases that have just been sitting in departments for a long time with not a lot of hope. There's another... uh, section of the community that I think probably is requesting your services as well. We read this morning that Gavin Newsom wants to wants to get a DNA test on Kevin Cooper, who was um, convicted of some murders back in the 80s in Chino Hills. And I'm just wondering if the like the Innocence Project and, and that section of the community 
uh, is asking for for help too to to clear people uh, that they feel yeah. have been wrongly convicted. Yes, and that's of great interest to me. I don't want to just use DNA to put people behind bars. I would also like it to help exonerate those that are innocent that are still sitting behind bars. The Innocence Project started reaching out to me, or members from the Innocence Project, very early on. When I went to New York City for something, I ended up meeting with them for about three hours in their offices, and they've invited me to come speak at a post-conviction attorney's conference. So people, attorneys who work with people after they've been convicted, uh, presumably who are claiming they're innocent, and many of them are, and I'm going to try to help um, educate those attorneys on how they might be able to use genetic genealogy to get those people released who truly deserve to be. Cece, can you hang on for another segment? We've got a bunch, a bunch more questions I'd love to ask. Sure. All right. We're talking with Cece Moore. She is a genetic genealogist for Parabon Nanolabs, and you've seen her name all over when it comes to stories about uh, closing a bunch of these cold cases that we've seen for so long. Uh, finally getting some resolution thanks to technology finally catching up with the police work. So, Did you see this Mike Antonovich story? Yes, that was another one that was uh, that was worth mentioning as well. Oh, man, that's insane. Oh. I guess uh, that somebody gave a guy named Dwight Manley a Ancestry DNA kit for Christmas, and he found out that Mike Antonovich, the supervisor, was, was his dad. dad. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, all right, we'll continue with Gary and Shannon in just a moment. Cece Moore from Parabon Nanolabs has joined us. Shannon, we just uh, we just cocktail napkin something that's going to come up later in the show today. Yeah, we realized how many life lessons we're learning this week through the news. You know, things like you're, you're not going to get away with murder. You're not going to get away with murder. You're not going to get away with a fake hate crime, and you're not going to go to a strip mall in Jupiter, Florida, if you're worth six billion dollars for your extracurriculars. Uh, we'll talk more about that about each of these stories as the show goes on. At the bottom of the hour, in a few minutes, Chris Ann Carlo is going to join us. He has been out in Riverside County for that uh, dramatic court hearing today, where uh, David and Louise Turpin pleaded guilty. To child abuse and torture charges. Remember, they were the ones who had kept their kids in in their home, in some cases in cages, locked to their beds, etc., and didn't allow them to eat, didn't give them gifts and stuff like that. They have pleaded guilty. They're going to spend the rest of their lives in prison. Chris is going to bring us an update at the bottom of the hour. We're talking to Cece Moore with Parabon Nanolabs. She, as well as others there, investigate cold cases using Public DNA data, and we have seen a number of families get some closure after as many as 46 years of not knowing who killed their daughter, in that case, Linda O'Keefe in Orange County. Cece, we talked before, when when I talked with you a a couple of months ago, I asked you the question about privacy and the issues that surround these public databases, but using them to find people who did not upload their information to these public databases. What kind of, um, I guess, exercises or, or, or mental exercises have you done to make sure that you respect enough people's privacy here, even though this is a public database that you've been using? You know, I really faced those questions long before I started working with law enforcement because I was using 
uh, DNA to help people find their biological families, and that often involves people's deepest, darkest secrets. Uh, there are many birth mothers that never told their husbands and families they had later that they had placed a child for adoption. Um, I've worked with a lot of foundling cases, as I mentioned, where uh, mothers have abandoned their children at birth and also donor conception. And so I'm used to dealing with people's secrets that are coming out because members of their family, maybe even distant cousins, took a DNA test. Um, I absolutely, in those cases, believe that everyone deserves to know their truth and their heritage and their biological family information, even if you know they're not entitled to a relationship with those people necessarily. So by the time I started using DNA for law enforcement, um, I was quite accustomed to the idea that other people's DNA, your family member's DNA, can reveal your secrets. So you don't have to take a DNA test for your secrets to be uh, revealed through consumer DNA testing. And of course, you know, this is an even more serious situation where somebody's going to end up in jail for it. Um, but I do believe that it's absolutely for the greater good in both situations where it's somebody who needs to know about their heritage and then now for families to get answers and justice of when their loved ones have been uh, victimized. You know, in, in law enforcement investigations, families have always been brought into it. I mean, they've always interviewed family members and friends, and it's not a new thing that information provided by a family member might lead to a suspect. So this is a, a different way of getting those that lead generation, but it's not the first time that families have implicated other family members. Um, with the popularity of these consumer-level DNA tests where you can find out ancestry and things like that. Do you suggest people upload those uh, their results to these these public uh, sites? I mean, if somebody came to if a friend came to you and said, hey, I got this thing, but I don't know, should I also upload it to see if there's any family connections I might be missing? What would you say to them? I think it's a personal choice. I've certainly always uh, encouraged people to quote-unquote, fish in all ponds, meaning if you're trying to solve a family mystery or find uh, cousins that you haven't known before, extend your family tree, then it's best to test at all the companies and upload to GEDmatch so you're using all of those resources that you can in order to answer those questions. But I, over the years, have realized that I really need to warn people that you know they may take a DNA test and find an unexpected surprise. And that could be true each time they add their DNA to a new database. And so I've become a lot more cautious, um, although I'm still, you know, the biggest promoter of consumer DNA testing out there, probably outside of the commercial companies themselves. I do think people need to be educated before they do it, and they really need to think about it. And that holds true for helping us with law enforcement as well. If you're supportive of that idea and you feel comfortable with it, then absolutely please upload your DNA to GEDmatch and or Family Tree DNA so uh, you can help us resolve more of these cold cases and in the future probably active cases increasingly as well. Um, but if it's not something you're comfortable with, then no, I would not encourage someone to do it. I don't want to use anyone's DNA for this purpose that isn't comfortable with it. Cece, thank you yes, so much. Absolutely. Appreciate your time. 
Thank you. Thanks for having me back. Absolutely. CC more than again, there again with uh, Parabon Nanolabs. You can follow CC on Twitter. CC C E C E L C C L more M O R E. Just fascinating. And the thing is, we're going to hear her name so many times in the coming years in terms of the the technology that's available. Her sort of groundbreaking work in this field of closing these cases. And I think that was, it's neat that she's also looking to make sure that it's used for exoneration too. So that's one of our life lessons. I think is uh, if you committed a rape or murder in the last five decades, um, you're going to get caught. Yeah. Write that down in the life lessons. Okay, good. All right. Coming up next, Chris Ann Carlo was in the courtroom today when the Turpins pleaded guilty to torturing their children. He's going to join us for all the details when we return. Gary and Shannon, what a busy news Friday we have going on here. R. Kelly charged in Chicago in connection with the video. Michael Avenatti handed over to the state attorney's office there that shows him having sex with an underage girl. We've got uh, the Patriots owner, Robert Kraft, in trouble for going to a massage parlor in Jupiter, Florida to get a little extra attention, shall we say? Wow, I really cleaned that up. (laughs) <laughs> well, you, you usually do a, a really bad job and, and stumble into a euphemism that cannot be erased from people's memories. How about that? So, good I get job for you. Pulled over the car before it went over the cliff. Uh, and th- there were a couple of earthquakes overnight as well. 7.5 earthquake struck the uh, southern Ecuador area along the border with Peru. And then a 5.8 magnitude quake hit Japan's northernmost main island of Hokkaido. Um, no reports of any significant damage or injury, but uh, at least a few places have reported some some wall cracks and junk on the ground. Junk on the ground. That's another life lesson. Uh, well, by the way, our nine news nuggets we've decided today are going to be replaced by life lessons that we have learned from the news. And um, there have been all kinds of stuff. We're going to have to pare down the list, I realized. Yeah. We're coming up with so many simple life lessons we're going to have to pare down the list before we get to 1.30. Chris Ancarlo was in the courtroom today when the Turpins pleaded guilty, saving all of their kids that they tortured for years from testifying at a trial. Chris joins us now. What was that like? Yeah, you know, it was a little surreal given the fact that it was almost a year ago that I was here in Riverside as the district attorney, Mike Hesterin, ran over the facts of the case and announced all of the charges that were pending against the Turpins and the degree and the scope of it. I didn't think that this thing would be wrapped up within a year. Certainly didn't think that they would plead. Maybe one would plead and, you know, testify against the other, but didn't see a year ago this happening now. Uh, And the first indications of this started to come over the last couple of weeks. You know, there were some chatter and some comments that were made by the DA about uh, hoping to not have to have the kids testify against their parents. Um, And then it was uh, last night that it was announced that Mike Hestrin would be addressing the media after what was supposed to just be a status conference here today at the uh, Riverside Circuit Court. Um, And so anytime you see, okay, the DA is going to make an an announcement, you're you're assuming that something pretty big is coming up. Either there are new charges or perhaps there has been a plea deal reached. Um, And the speed of the plea deal, I guess, prognostication really picked up this morning as the judge, he, he... 
issued an order that may seem innocuous on its face, but having been in this courtroom for almost each of the times that the Turpins were in here, this was the first time that he said that people could record in court. And so you start to think, okay, well, if we can record video in court while the proceedings are happening, certainly he must want us to be recording for a reason. And that reason is to get the reaction of the Turpins as 14 each counts were read off and they pleaded guilty and it's 14 of 49 each so it's a total of 98 and a total of 28 if you're trying to keep track at home on this it's pretty complicated and they had to read each one off and each time they had to verbally say yes 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 and as they were going through david turpin stoically just staring at a court document and he would only look up to the prosecutor or to the judge and say yes and then immediately look back down at that piece of paper i don't even think he was reading it looked as though he was just focused on one letter trying to you know perhaps erase everything else that's happening beyond the scope of that one letter on the piece of paper meanwhile just two seats over to his right hand side his wife louise uh, as the counts were read and she started to say yes you you heard sobbing start to crop up and then she really was sobbing and she was dabbing at her eyes with a handkerchief uh, in some cases just struggling to get the yes out a couple of times the court recorder had to ask her to repeat it because it was not loud enough to be heard by her and um, and as this went on it was such a long affair because there were so many charges that had to be read off and then the the facts of the case had to be read off and as this went along you saw her go through this entire kind of emotional cycle from acceptance to you know just grief right back to acceptance and the emotion erased from her face. You could still see her bleary eyes and her red nose, uh, but she locked eyes with the prosecutor and did not look away from him for the, for the last, I would say, probably half of the charges that were led and just staring right at him in such a juxtaposition between her and her husband and the way the body language and the, the expressions were, were given in court there. Uh, before the judge even came out, you know, I, was, I was staring at David, and he's always had this kind of very... Um, unfidgety manner but as he was waiting for the judge to come in he was sitting in that that way that often kids will sit when they're eagerly anticipating what's going to come next but they know what's going to come next so he had his legs stretched out one of the legs was just kind of jittering non-stop and he had his, his arms on top of his legs and he was leaning over the table uh, kind of in a C and as he was doing that he was just kind of looking at the documents every once in a while talking to uh, one of the defenders on either side of him um, certainly a, a very different disposition that we've seen so far. What did uh, the DA say regarding sentencing? Well, you know, he said 25 to life. Some people may hear that and say, oh, well, you know, they have a chance for parole after 25 years and be disappointed because at the very beginning of this last year when uh, he announced the charges, he said that he was going to throw the full force of the district attorney's office at David and Louise Turpin. And so perhaps to head off any criticism that there was that 25 to life, he said two things. One, 25 years is under California law if you're over 60 and after you have served 25 years or if you've served 25 years when you hit that age of 60, you automatically qualify for a parole hearing. You don't qualify for parole, but at least you get the hearing. So that was one reason that he wanted to go ahead and, and, and make sure people understood why that 25 existed. Secondarily, he said 25 to life. Guess what? That's what a first degree murderer would uh, end up being um, sentenced to after being convicted of first degree murder. And he went on to say, and I played that cut in our news hit here just a minute ago he went on to say and when you think about it what he, what they did to these kids what they did 
to rob them of their lives effectively the same, you could argue, as perhaps a first-degree premeditated murder. Um, and, uh, of course, the other big piece, and Shannon, you mentioned this at the, at the top, the big piece of this puzzle is the fact that the kids will not have to testify. We could hear from them during sentencing because of Marcy's Law. They get a chance to, to step up and kind of say what they have to say. I, I'm not going to bank on it, but it, it is a possibility. But the kids will not have to testify against their parents. You can only imagine what that must have been like. And I asked DA Mike Hester, and I said, hey, man, you know, you guys having to live with this case, the horror of this case, the details of this case for the last year, what has it meant to your team? And, and what he said I thought was pretty remarkable because he said, listen, if you are going to work at a DA's office, if you're going to work in a child abuse section of a DA's office, you come in knowing what you're going to expect. But still, you have to find a way to approach these cases with a sense of compassion and a sense of understanding in the pursuit of justice. And he said, these guys I was so proud of them because every day they suited up and they came in ready to find a a solution to this case. And he said that this solution is the perfect solution because of the fact that kids don't have to testify. And effectively, the Turpins will be facing the same sort of sentence they would have if this had gone to trial. Chris Ancarlo, great stuff as always. Appreciate it. Anytime, guys. All right. Coming up next, Mike Antonovich learns that he has a son from a relationship he had when he was a grad student at Cal State L.A. Kind of a great story. We'll talk about it when we return. Gary and Shannon. I don't remember this part of the movie. I was just thinking the same thing. Well, remember, this is the extended soundtrack, so... Yeah, I don't really know what that is. I've extensively watched Top Gun hundreds of times. Through the end of the credits? This sounds like something that they would have thrown in after the first song of the credits. You're absolutely right. This comes in later. Um... When they're like, second unit production unit, second key grip, best boy. (laughs) This is uh, Heaven in Your Eyes by Loverboy. Great song. Loverboy knew how to do it, man. Uh, We'll get uh, trending stories coming up at the top of the hour. We're going to talk about why men and women are dressing identically now. Thankfully, I don't think that's the that's not the case in this office. I think I can think of one person who dresses uh, pretty asexually. But other than that, I think everybody has their roles uh, pretty much nailed down. Uh, We talked about R. Kelly being charged. Now, 10 counts of aggravated criminal sexual abuse out of Cook County, Illinois. And uh, Jussie Smollett, the producers of the TV show Empire, say that his character is going to be removed from the final two episodes of the season. Apparently, that set was the place to be yesterday. People freaking out, yelling at each other, and people arguing about whether or not he's guilty of being a big faker or not. I'm not going to continue to go down the when does heaven in your eyes play during Top Gun hole. But you you were just on the edge of that. You were like baby Jessica looking down that well. (laughs) Um, Okay, so Mike Antonovich. (laughs) Mike Antonovich is a longtime politician from here in Southern California from the 70s when he was in the state assembly. We've known him most recently, of course, as a county supervisor for a long time. The mayor of Los Angeles County. Mayor of L.A. He's a great guy. I interviewed him several times. Uh, He's 79 years old. He married late in life. He's got two young adult children with his wife of 21 years. Chinese actress Christine 
and they send lovely Christmas cards every year. I just have to say it. I was going to say, I still get those Yeah, every year. I still get those, too. Uh, but, but Mike Antonovich found out a little less than a year ago that he had another kid that he didn't know about. Yeah, guy by the name of Dwight Manley lives in Brea. He is a, a rare coin expert, a, a successful sports agent. He lives in Brea, and he uh, got a gift for Christmas, and it was one of those DNA kits. Well, he found out when he was eight years old, I think. He found out that he had been adopted. And then as he's grown up, had always found uh, had questions about about his parents. He hired a private detective at one point to find his mother. And while he describes their relationship, she's not identified in this article from the Press Enterprise uh, because she chose to to remain private. And when when he met mom the first time, Dwight says, I, I knew there was a connection. I mean, immediately, as soon as I hugged her, I knew that this was my mom. But the guy that she identified as his dad, when he met that guy, he said he didn't feel the same thing. And eventually went through and, like you said, had this friend give him uh, a DNA home kit, basically. And when he sent in his... Uh, sent in his information, a name that he recognized on Ancestry.com was the username Mantonovich underscore one. He said he, he recognized the name right away because it's ubiquitous. In well, LA nothing County. else. How many things around here are now named oh. after Mike oh, Antonovich? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Buildings, trails. Open spaces. I mean, the whole bit. <laughs> the whole thing. It turns out that the biological mother had been involved with three different men at the time that he was conceived. And Antonovich was one of them, and his swimmers were successful, and the baby was made. Now, this was 1965, and she's 18, she's a college student, and does not want to raise a child. Abortion was not an option for a number of reasons in 1965, uh, and probably, or maybe she did not want one either, so she chose to give the baby up for adoption uh, to a couple that uses the same OBGYN that had struggled to get pregnant. And that ended up being Dwight's parents. So he goes through life and, and like you said, successful in news, news, mis, news, mastis, news coin selling and then gets a job as a business agent for Dennis Rodman, of all people, and is successful at that gets into this world where he finally figures out he wants to find out who dad is and does the Ancestry.com, or at least find out more about his family. Well, he realizes who it is and finds a go-between. In this case, uh, a woman who works for the Orange County DA's office. And she gets a hold of somebody else who is close to Mike Antonovich to basically be the go-between, set up some sort of a meeting between these two. And he... He gets a hold of Mike Antonovich and says, are you alone? Are you sitting down? So just fast forward for the sake of time. This is nuts. Uh, the two, uh, of course, they just met, right? They're both 6'3". They're clones of each other. He's very interested in uh, in Brea's development. Like his dad was very civically minded. Um, Antonovich had served a, as a reserve police officer in L.A., the son donated a new vehicle to the police program last year. Uh, both are overachievers. Antonovich once collected coins. Neither drinks much. 
it's just insane. And when you think about the nature versus nurture argument, that there's so much overlap for both of them. Remember, Eric Leonard was telling us how he uh, met his adopted mother, and it turns out she's a pilot. Eric's been a pilot for right. years. I mean, it's just crazy. And that that goes to what he was saying when he met his mom for the first time. He knew there was a connection. Despite the fact she never held her child. When she gave birth, they whisked that baby away before she even held the child. The first time she held her biological son was when he was in his 50s. Yeah, and she hugged him for the first time. Crazy. All right, we'll do What's Trending when we come back to Gary and Shannon. This Friday, it is February 22nd. First uh, spring training games that we've seen, actually, today. Yesterday they were supposed to start, but they got rained out in Arizona. So, first uh, first games of spring, boys. Ladies and gentlemen, it's baseball shirt season. Just saying right now, I'm wearing my Pacific Coast League shirt. What else is going on? Time for What's Happening. <laughs> Wake me up when football season is here. Oh, yeah. R. Kelly is in trouble, and this all began, one could argue, with that documentary that reignited all of the stories that have surrounded R. Kelly for quite some time. The Cook County Court filing that was unveiled today has revealed that R. Kelly's been charged with 10 counts of aggravated criminal sexual abuse. This goes to the videotape that shows R. Kelly having sex with an underage girl that was handed over to prosecutors by Stormy Daniels attorney Michael Avenatti. Man, who do you root for in this thing? You're not going to root for Michael Avenatti, are you? Sucks that he's involved with this thing. But it's good that R. Kelly finally be brought down, perhaps. This, insta- this uh, prostitution ring that has caught up with Robert Kraft, the owner of your New England Patriots. And Blake, he owns a kickball team too, doesn't he? He owns like the New England Revolution soccer, soccer team. team. So I went ahead and uh, I went ahead and found this ad. Well, Nick actually found an ad for Orchids of Asia Day Spa. Of course he did. This is the the strip mall day spa that he was videotaped Ugh. at twice about a month ago. We practice oriental techniques in massage that are proven methods in pain relief, maintaining health, and providing an overall sense of well-being. Our focus and purpose is to help you, our client, to achieve your personal health, beauty, and wellness goals, and enable an active and vibrant lifestyle. Vibrant. Whether you have a little stiffness... You have a little stiffness? Whether you have a little stiffness, I'm going to stop it right there because I don't know where that ad's going. (laughs) That music did not go with... No, the setting. No, it didn't. But uh, but Robert Kraft is one of several people who are on this list of Johns, if you want to call it that, put out by Jupiter PD, including an 85 year old guy named Daniel Young. Daniel Young is getting a lot of props on social media for being 85 and still going to get a little extra attention at the massage parlor. Um, okay. Robert Kraft, I looked it up, is worth an estimated $6.6 billion with a B dollars. And now, he's going to a strip mall 
massage parlor you, for this? You got to order in if you're worth that much money. You've got to do Grubhub hookers or whatever it is, Postmates, Postmates hookers. Uh, you know, there's got to be a hooker delivery service. Hooker delivery service. Now, the other part of this that uh, is taken very seriously by the police in Jupiter, Florida, they believe this was not just a massage parlor with extras. It was a case of actual human trafficking where they're saying some of the women who were involved in this day spa were literally forced to live at that spa, could not leave, and were not even necessarily in the country legally, that some of them were brought here from China uh, and forced to stay there to work off whatever payment, I guess, to get into the country. The worst parents in the history of the world, the Turpins, have pleaded guilty in Riverside County Superior Court to 14 counts, including abusing minor and adult children and imprisoning them in their house. These were the parents that kept their... How many kids? 13 kids? 13 kids. Who ranged in age from 2 to 29, chained up in cages. They didn't allow the kids to bathe, but once a year. When the police showed up, when one of the kids was able to escape with a cell phone and called 911, when the police showed up, most of the kids didn't even know what police were. Now, basically, they're going to be sentenced to life in prison. That I mean, we can just assume that that's the case. Uh, the DA in Riverside County said this is clearly going to be a case where these people never get out of jail. But the sentencing itself comes up in April, and there is a chance, at least according to the prosecutor, there's a chance that one or two or some of the kids will testify at the sentencing. That is going to be something to behold. And I wonder if they even let cameras in. I bet they don't. I would hope not. Yeah, on, on behalf of the kids, I on, would hope on, not. No cameras and probably no recording, and maybe a pool reporter. You know, maybe just, just a pool way. reporter or no reporter at all. Although I don't think you can do that. I'm not sure. The pilot whose plane crashed into that neighborhood in Yorba Linda, killing him and four people on the ground, had been warned by an air traffic controller that he was headed into bad weather. Which is weird. I don't remember it being significant. Wait, wasn't this bad. Robert Kraft's friend? Was it Robert Kraft who was connected? Oh, no, not Robert Kraft. No, no, no. It was um... <laughs> It was the guy from wow. the Bunny Ranch. How funny how my brain works. <laughs> like, that is just, why would I think that was Robert Kraft because, when it was uh, Dennis of, Hoff? Yeah. Because in my brain, I connected. Prostitution. With Robert with Kraft. prostitution. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's not a, it's not a huge leap. I get it. It's not like you go, oh, my gosh, isn't that the guy who did the voice for Mickey Mouse? would have been a step uh, anyway uh it was it was cloudy that day but i don't even think it rained uh very much if at all in some of those places but they said that he was going to be um uh, allowed to fly in and out of the airport fullerton airport uh by sight but some rain and other foul weather did require instrument guided flight it doesn't say whether or not this guy switched over to instrument navigation and it does not say anything yet about exactly why the the plane broke up in the middle of the uh, in the middle in the middle of the sky. They said the full investigation could take as long as eighteen months, and even then, there's no guarantee that we're going to have a good conclusion. There, I, I'm confused what Times Up is. I know that Times Up is uh, something that is trending in the Me Too era, but apparently, Times Up is a business or yeah. an organization. It's an organization. Well, the the CEO of Time's Up has decided to leave and resign because 
her son is facing allegations of sexual misconduct. Not good. Not even her. Not even her. But four days after a 31-year-old Santa Monica woman alleged that the 36-year-old son had been sexually inappropriate with her, and people said that uh, that Lisa Borders very quickly brought these allegations to the attention of the board there at Time's Up and the group, and Lisa and her son said it was an untenable position and that it was better for them to just, better for her to just step down. Do we know what the sexually inappropriate tag means? Uh, she said uh, she was surprised she felt violated when he touched her genitalia, kissed her neck, brushed his erect part against her body during a session, which was supposed to be a healing session. Good Lord. Yeah. He said that the massage was gentle and authentic and loving. I don't think Time's Up should be involving itself in massages. Mm. Anyway. When we come back. Yeah. Hey, is this going on right now, the CN, the uh, R. Kelly prosecutors? or Not yet. Not yet. We'll, okay. we'll dip into it when it happens. Cook County is, uh, is where R. Kelly has now been charged uh, with 10 counts of aggravated criminal sexual abuse, and the prosecutors are expected to speak soon. And like uh, Shannon said, we'll dip in when we get to it. We come back, though. Why men and women are dressing identically now. This is a good idea. Shannon, we're learning more about the charges against R. Kelly involving four victims. He is expected to appear in court on Saturday. The court documents say the assaults occurred over a more than two-decade time frame. The abuse dated back to 1998 and as recently as 2010. And as I said, he's accused of uh, sexually abusing four different victims. This is uh, from the prosecutors in Cook County announcing these charges. We returned an indictment on four counts of aggravated criminal sexual abuse based on the victim being under the age of 17 and Robert Kelly being more than five years older than the victim. The second, second victim, initials R.L., was involved in an incident which occurred between September 26, 1998 and September 25, 2001. A grand jury returned an indictment on two counts of aggravated criminal sexual abuse based on the victims being under the age of 17 and Robert Kelly being more than five years older than that victim. The third victim, initials L.C., was involved in an incident which occurred February 18, 2003. A grand jury returned an indictment on one count of aggravated criminal sexual abuse based on the transmission of semen by Robert Kelly upon any part of the body of the victim for the purpose of sexual gratification during the course of an underlying felony of attempt criminal sexual assault. The fourth victim, initials J.P., was involved in incidents which occurred between May 1st, 2009 and January 31st, 2010. A grand jury returned an indictment on the three counts, three counts of aggravated criminal sexual abuse 
based on the victim being under the age of 17 and Robert Kelly being more than five years older than the victim. Aggravated criminal sexual abuse is a class two felony with a sentencing range of three to seven years per count. It is also probationable. We anticipate that Mr. Kelly will appear in bond court tomorrow afternoon. Mm. I like that. Now, here's the thing about what R. Kelly has been doing for, what, a couple decades now, it appears, is he's been able to find uh, women and girls or thought he would have been able to find women and girls who would not be reporting him. Uh, And then we've seen in the just absolutely horrific and hard to watch shows about R. Kelly, he was then using his power to try to keep them quiet about what was going on. But there's nobody, even his own brother in prison in that show said, R. Kelly likes young girls. This, uh, I think that's the end of him, right? I mean, oh, yeah. if he shows up in court tomorrow and I think this is the end of him. Okay. Well, I can't say my heart breaks for R. Kelly or anything. No, of course not. Gosh. Multiple victims between the ages of 13 and 17. And you just wonder. It was like one of those open secrets, right? People had talked about R. Kelly and his penchant for young girls for years, but nobody did anything. Could you imagine working at the Cook County DA's office this this week, week, by the way? Rough week. Holy hell. And somebody's got to go to work tomorrow because he's going to show up in court tomorrow is what she said, so... Been a rough winter for those guys in Chicago. I just, I just boggles my mind how it's this open secret for decades that R. Kelly has these like sex slaves and these young girls, and and nobody does anything about it because he's R. Kelly. Hey, because you like ignition. I, I, I don't understand the look the other way thing when you're talking about a 13 year old girl. Just, I don't know. And the thing is, they're all from Chicago. Aren't they? I think that was and that was, you know, keeping your crimes at home like that. People would be willing to cover up for you because you were a hometown kid. I don't get it. Oh, we'll come back with Swamp Watch in just a few minutes and update all of our top stories, of course. So the free movie free movie Friday program is back with Adam tickets. Let's you browse movie titles, buy tickets, invite friends, pre-order concessions all from your phone. And you can skip those lines as well today. Adam tickets wants to give you a chance at free movie tickets. All you got to do is text the word morning to adam one a-t-o-m and the number one text the word morning to adam one for your chance to win standard data text message rates may apply gary and shannon get chills see the steam coming off of the cable on the deck of the aircraft yeah you can i thought it was playing with the boys that gave you chills there's several musical selections from this cinematic delight are you looking forward to the sequel oh yeah Really? Oh, yeah. You're not worried it's going to let you down? No, no. It's going to take you right back to when you were four. (laughs) When the movie came out. (laughs) 
I can appreciate things that came before my time. Ah, got it. At the uh, top of the hour, we are going to be talking about a bunch of stories that have come down through the course of the day today. Number one, the Turpin update. Uh, David and Louise Turpin have pleaded guilty. They will not have to go through a trial, but they will have to go through their sentencing. And when that happens in April, there is a chance that uh, one or more of their kids could testify against them in the sentencing. We'll... uh, We'll talk about that. Also, Patriots owner Robert Kraft has been charged with misdemeanor soliciting another person to commit prostitution. Oh, listen to this. I just read this quote from the police chief of Vero Beach. He says this about the girls at the Orchid Day Spa. These girls are there all day long into the evening. They can't leave and they are performing sex acts. Some of them may tell us they're okay, but they're not. Yeah, it's gross. It's gross. It's not just a funny little, huh? I, there, I can't say any of the euphemisms. That, the balls uh, jokes. Uh, right. I, I'd get in trouble at that point. But. Macaroni cheese jokes. Uh, oh, it's time for Swamp Watch. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Well, a do-over has been ordered in the North Carolina 9th District. It's a wild story of a a father who may have employed a a shady political operative, his son who said, Dad, don't do it, don't do it. Now the son's testifying against the dad. It's a mess. We're going to go to New York and get the latest from ABC News coming up next. We talked yesterday. The judge imposed that full gag order on Roger Stone after he posted a picture on Instagram of the judge that was overseeing his case. Uh, Along those lines, New York state prosecutors have put together a criminal case against Paul Manafort. They could file at the drop of a hat if they have to. And the reason they would have to, at least according to them, is there is a chance that Paul Manafort receives a presidential pardon. The New York County DA, Cyrus Vance Jr., says he's ready to file a whole bunch of tax and other charges against Paul Manafort, something uh, seen as an insurance policy should uh, should he get a pardon on the federal charges. So we'll see that if it comes down. This Amy Klobuchar story is Oh, it's delicious. so great, isn't it? Amy Klobuchar, of course, the senator from uh, Minnesota who has announced that she wants to run for the Democratic nomination for president. When she did that, it was about two days after a story had come out that she doesn't treat her staff very well. That, yes. That she was, you know, and to be honest, it's shrug your shoulders, kind of roll your eyes. Like, really, you've never had a boss raise their voice at you? Yeah. So, sorry, panty waist, but it's time for you to understand that people can be mean in this world. Well, we have an anecdote now to back up that rumor. This is a story from 2008. Senator Amy Klobuchar was on a trip to South Carolina, and she was hungry. And so an aide was sent to go get her a salad. So he gets the salad, hauling their bags through the airport terminal, and he drops the cutlery, the the plastic fork that came with the salad. So he tells her once they get on board, oh, man, sorry, I had the bags and we're rushing through and I dropped the fork. And the crew did not have any forks on such a short flight. And they say what happened next with Amy is pretty typical. She berated this guy 
instantly for the slip-up. And then, absent a fork, she pulled a comb from her bag and began eating the salad with it. This is according to four people who were there. Then when she was... It's weird. That doesn't make her a bad boss. That eating a salad with a comb is just... Gross. Weird. And then when she was finished, she gave the the comb to one of her staff members and said, clean it. (laughs) That that, uh, practice of embarrassing staff members over what would... uh, should amount to being just minor missteps is significant. And it's one of those things that a lot of her staff members say she does on a regular basis. She has been known to have high turnover in her staff. They said it perennially ranks near the highest in the Senate. But that's not to say that she hasn't had staff members that work with her have been there for several years. And many of them that have say, yeah, she may be a tough boss at times, but she's great to work for, and she's really she really believes in what it is that she does. She was known at times to throw objects in frustration, things like binders and phones. There was one anecdote where she threw a binder and it like went out a window or something like that and hit somebody, which was just unfortunate. She apologized. She didn't intend to hit anybody with it. But they said that there's other duties that these low-level employees are asked to do in her office, like washing dishes or cleaning up parts of the office. I mean, someone's got to, but I guess they consider that demeaning. And if I'm working for a member of Congress, they talk about how, you know, you could have uh, phone calls or emails at all hours of the night. Do you know what that says to me? That says that the member of Congress is working. Yeah. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, I have a problem with the temper issues and temper. treating people like crap. Yeah. Um, but is it just more shocking that it's a woman and not a man? Like, would we, it would even be a story if it was a man? Well, there, I think there are personality types where this would be celebrated in a man, uh, but you'd call this woman a, a raging bee, right. perhaps. Uh, so I think there is some I think there is a hypocrisy there, yeah. Hey, you've been to the LA Federal Courthouse a number of times covering stories. Sure. Sure, me too. Usually they take your phone. Mm-hmm. Uh they take any recording device. They're very serious about it. Do you ever see the uh naked statue of Abraham Lincoln? No, me neither. <laughs> what? There's a half-naked statue of Abraham Lincoln in the LA Federal Courthouse. He's shirtless. It's called Young Young Lincoln. And it's been there since 1941. It was built by a local art student who entered a contest to decorate the federal building. Well, a writer this week decided to post a picture of topless Abe on Twitter, reminding people that, yes, the L.A. Federal Courthouse has a uh, shirtless Abe Lincoln. And people are losing their minds. People are saying things like, let's get you emancipated out of those shorts. Wow. It's going to be on our socials soon so people can... uh... Make their own comments. Yeah. The Gettysburg undress. More like Babraham Lincoln. I know this is what we're doing now. This is what this is what we're doing now. I know a guy who used to use Babraham Lincoln as a a pickup line when he was talking to girls on Tinder. I don't want any more details from that story. I don't want the why. I don't want any stories to begin with. But he shared it anyway. All right. When we come back, Mark Remillard's going to join us. What in the world happened to that 9th District's congressional race in North Carolina? Man, 
that's uh, it's get, they're going to be a do-over. We might not even see the two same candidates that ran because they're going to go all the way back to the beginning. We'll do that next on Gary and Shannon. Sitting in the morning sun, I'll be sitting when the evening comes, watching the ships roll in, then I watch them roll away again. Yeah. I'm sitting on the dock of the bay, watching the tide Gary and Shannon. Well, we told you about this yesterday. North Carolina's 9th District is still up for grabs because of maybe some potential fraud surrounding the election in November. And it's pitted a father against a son, actually. Yeah, this is a strange story in that the elections board officials have called for a new election in that 9th District. Joining us to talk more about it, Mark Remillard. What's going on, Mark? Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Uh, basically, four months after the uh, midterm elections, this race, the the ninth congressional district in North Car- Carolina, remains undecided. And the reason being is that uh, the state election board refused to certify the election after word that there may have been some tampering with absentee ballots. They just held a, a nearly four-day hearing this week, which resulted in the election board voting unanimously to issue a new election. Now, we don't have the information about the time. Timeline there, but we know a new primary will take place. So interestingly, here the two candidates involved in this, the Democrat and the Republican, might not actually be on the ballot when this special election actually takes place. But uh, the, the state election board basically saying there was corruption and and that the whole thing was was an absolute mess. Now at this point, is there a suggestion that Mark Harris, who is the Republican, that he had anything to do with this or that it was his staff members that were involved in this? That is what uh, continues to be looked at, and the Democrats have certainly said following the hearing that uh, uh, tying his campaign to this political operative um, uh, named Leslie Dowless, who is now accused of having tampered with absentee ballots. He was uh, allegedly going around to houses and picking up ballots, which is legal in the state, but was then taking in complete ballots and allegedly altering them or filling in votes uh, and presumably in favor of the Republican Mark Harris since he worked on his campaign. Now, Harris says he, he didn't know anything about that. And in fact, he said that Dallas assured him that he would go pick up the ballots, but he would not do anything illegal. But uh, what came out during this four-day hearing and in an extraordinary moment was the testimony from the candidate, the Republican candidate, Mark Harris's own son, who said, I warned my father about this guy, uh, and what he said was that he was a a shady political operative. And so uh, that brought Mark Harris to tears during the hearing, and that ended up prompting him yesterday to uh, testify before the board, saying that there's no way that people can have confidence in this election, and it's time to call a new one. I thought it was interesting, too, the way he characterized his son. You know, why didn't you listen to your son's advice and he said something to the effect of, well, he's only 27 and he's judgmental and arrogant. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and his son even said, uh, you know, not only did he warn him, but uh, as he said on the stand, he believes that his father, uh, you know, made mistakes here um, in not listening to him and deciding to use uh, this person, Leslie Dowless, uh, who, meanwhile, ha- has maintained that he didn't do anything wrong. And, and when ABC tried to talk to him, uh, really wouldn't comment. So uh, we, we really don't don't know much from him, but the investigation into how much Mark Harris may have known of this continues, and uh, it'll be interesting to see whether or not he 
runs. We know the Democrat uh, will run again. McCready is his name. Uh, he will run again. Harris, however, not clear, has not said. And in fact, during this hearing has also revealed not only, you know, the, the, the PR nightmare that's been surrounding his campaign related to this, but he also uncovered that he's had two strokes since the election as all this has gone on. So he's had health problems. Uh, we'll see whether or not he decides to run again. Has there been any talk about the cost of a special election to redo this whole thing? No, I have not seen a cost estimate. Um, we, basically, what's going to happen is there's going to be another hearing uh, by the state election board where they will finalize the plans for all of this, because this is why we don't know yet what the timeline will be. Uh, and again, under the state law, though, they have to run a new primary. So we do know that that will take place, but that's about as much as we know as to how this will all uh, go down. Uh, the state election board will hold another meeting, but that has yet to be scheduled as well. So uh, it seems like for the time being this seat will remain open all right mark thank you appreciate your time thank you mark remillard there with the latest and again that ninth congressional district of north carolina they're gonna they're gonna hold a do-over because nobody was certified as the winner from uh from november associated press is chiming in with some breaking news saying a report from bob Mueller about the russia investigation now not expected to be delivered to the justice department next week we had heard that it was it was going to be imminent yeah. probably next week. Not going to be happening. Well, we got a lot to get to. And in this first segment of the next hour, we're going to go through some of the biggest stories that we've seen in some time, including the update on David and Louise Turpin pleading guilty and Robert Kraft charged with misdemeanor soliciting another to commit prostitution for visiting the Asian Orchid Day Spa in Jupiter, Florida. That's all coming up on Gary and Shannon. You shake my nerves and you rattle my brain. We've been over it multiple times and I haven't seen this movie. I do have to say that's a poetic sigh that you let out <laughs> Blake the president's weighing in on the uh, Robert Kraft drama Uh-oh. of the day they're buddies they're friends they are friends he has said to reporters that he's surprised to see Bob Kraft charged and he says he has denied it he says he is very sad uh that, that, that is one of our life lessons, by the way, about the things that we have learned. We came up with nine life lessons, and they're going to actually replace our nine news nuggets this week. Because we need to all use them, use the news of the week as a teaching moment. Yeah, and the thing is, we can, we can, be, we can learn lessons from just about everything we talk about on this show. And this is definitely one of those lessons that, that we can learn. So we'll tell you what the uh, life lesson is. This was the president talking about it today. What about the charges against Bob Kraft? He's a, he's a friend of yours. Well, it's very sad. Uh, I was very surprised to see it. Uh, he's proclaimed his innocence totally, and uh, but I'm very surprised to see it. Here are – wow, look at uh, Louise Turpin. Yeah. She looks so much healthier than she did when they first got out of that house. It's amazing what uh, three hots and a cot will do you over a couple of months. And, and light, maybe. Wow. Well, here is what we know about Robert Kraft. 
he faces misdemeanor charges of soliciting a prostitute. This comes after an eight-month investigation into sex trafficking there in Jupiter, Florida. They've got him on tape, on videotape, twice. I don't want to see that. In a sex act. Not just him exchanging money, but he is in a sex act on this tape. And if somebody leaks this video, I will never forgive you. This is at a massage parlor in Florida, at a strip mall. The Orchid Day Spa. First, we have to ask a very simple question about this guy beyond the what the hell were you thinking? It's why does a man of if you feel like that's the route you want to go for whatever relief you're looking for. And you don't have a Mormon friend at the end of a road in Pocatello, Idaho in 1974. And that that's how you're going to go about getting it. Is there no one around you? It, listen, the thing is, the other thing about uh, the Jupiter police, they said that the this guy's chauffeur would drive him to this place. Doesn't the chauffeur? No, the chauffeur never asks any questions. The chauffeur never says anything. The chauffeur looks the other way. That's his job. Yes, but just imagine had that little divider gone down between the front of the car and the back of the car and says, Mr. Kraft, I know it's not my place. But maybe I could steer you in a different direction just to protect whatever reputation you think you might have so that you don't walk into this place and get in trouble. A lot of the guys on this list of Johns, uh, we, we Googled them. We tried to figure out what they do. A lot of big money guys from New York. And I just wonder if it was a word of mouth situation. A lot of these guys spend a lot of time in Florida, as we know. And I just wonder if it was a word of mouth that this is the place to go to. What I don't understand is how they don't have people brought in for that. Like, why does Robert Kraft have to have a chauffeur drive him to a strip mall in Jupiter, Florida, when he should have somebody on speed dial that comes in and massages him and does the shower dance or whatever it's called. Shower dance? What's it called? I didn't see that. A table shower. Table shower, which is just a, it's just a bath, like it's a sponge, a sponge bath. bath, including a genital washing. Nobody knows that part. You're just assuming. No, that's exactly what it is. Anyway. Uh, Jupiter police say a warrant will be issued and his attorneys will be notified and that details of the charges against him will not be released until next week. Oh, boy, I can't wait. I can. This is a crackdown on sex trafficking from Palm Beach to Orlando. Police planted cameras in various massage parlors. Hundreds of arrest warrants have been issued in recent days as a result of a six-month investigation. Yeah, because this- I have a question. So police can set up cameras in massage parlors and watch you, Gary Hoffman. Me? Well, say you go in there not for a shower dance or a table shower, whatever it is, but just a normal massage. Then they get to see you naked or have to? Isn't that a violation of your privacy? I'm not getting naked. You are when you get a massage. I don't think I've ever gotten naked for a massage. Okay, well, a lot of women are topless for massages. So now the police have all this this uh, footage of topless women? That's not cool. Does that happen? That's what you're worried. I'm not worried about that. I don't think that's Well, a you're thing not that- a topless woman. 
This spa, this Asian Orchids Day Spa, was one of 10 that was shut down after the seven-month investigation. And according to the arrest records, they described the women who were involved in this as uh, women in sexual servitude. That these women were forced to live in these spas, that they were prevented from leaving, and that many of them came from China. Kraft is only one of 25 men specifically charged with soliciting another to commit prostitution. He could get into trouble with the NFL. Uh, League policy says that players, coaches, and owners and employees can be punished for conduct detrimental to the integrity of the public confidence in the NFL. He's going to have to perform probably uh, 100 hours of community service. That's going to be fun to watch on TMZ. Can they force the sale of the team? No. I think, it would, take, mean, I think it would take more it than would this. Take but a they, lot they have more. the ability to, right? Yes, they do. Um, and he's probably going to have to attend a course on the harmful effects of prostitution and sex trafficking. Now, we said early on, and a couple of different sources have said that, that Robert Kraft is not the biggest name involved in this case. Well, so there's got to be there's got to be more. There's got to be a bigger list because the list that was published, it's only a list of about 20 or 25 names. And right. they said there's more than 100 Johns. Yeah. And Adam Schefter reporting that it's not the biggest name. I don't know what a bigger name is than Robert Kraft other than, you know, Donald Trump. I mean, Robert Kraft's a pretty big name. Yeah. That, and that wouldn't make that just wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. But they're. So maybe it's just maybe it's I don't want to say it. What? I was going to say Tom Brady, but that no that would he be would that name be considered bigger than Robert Kraft? Yes. Okay. On well, the same, I would put them on listen, the same. Robert Kraft has a thirty-nine-year-old model girlfriend. It's not about that. I we've had this discussion we before, did. and I know that. And, and in fact, there's got to be some amount of rift between the two of them because she just gave birth. Uh, not too long ago. Well, if she just and gave I'm not birth, saying that then that, she no, doesn't. No, I'm not saying that part of it either. It wasn't his kid. Uh, so what? I'm sorry. So she cheated on him or? Well, that's how babies are made. Or did she have a donor? I don't think so. That doesn't. So well, I don't see Robert Kraft staying with a wife that cheated on him to the point of having a baby with the guy. In 2012, it was revealed that he was dating this this model. She gave birth to a child five years later. And while there was speculation that it was his, he has denied being the father. So they're in an on-again, off-again relationship. Must be. That's what it is. And now there's a duck. Hmm. People are uh, making relief jokes now. Why? Well, Why? This is a good time to remind everybody that we have suggested that you watch the uh, documentary on Netflix called Abducted in Plain Sight. Because on Wednesday, we are going to do group therapy. Oh, yeah. We are in desperate need of group therapy after watching that show. Um, So if you you have not yet checked out Abducted in Plain Sight on Netflix, you got to see it before Wednesday when we come together and try to work out whatever we feel after watching that. I just looked up Robert Kraft's girlfriend. Yeah. What are you what are you making the faces for? I don't understand what you're making the faces for. What about her what about his girlfriend? She's very pretty. Yeah. What do you mean? Yeah. Mo on the movies when we return. We'll talk Oscars. Oh wait, don't we have to give away tickets or something? We can do that when we come back. All right. All right.
Gary and Shannon. Gary and Shannon. On this Friday, it is February 22nd. A lot going on today. We've been telling you about, of course, Robert Kraft, the owner of the New England Patriots, is going to be charged with misdemeanor soliciting another to commit prostitution. A couple of visits to the Asian Orchid Day Spa down in Jupiter, Florida. R. Kelly finally charged as well. Ten counts of aggravated criminal sexual abuse announced by the Cook County authorities uh, just a little, just about an hour ago, as a matter of fact. And uh, we've been following, of course, the story of Jussie Smollett. The producers of the TV show say that his character is going to be removed from the final two episodes of this season. Because I guess those are the two episodes that are left to film. But it's time for Mo on the Movies. Welcome to Mo on the Movies. Don't be ridiculous, darling. It's Mo on the Movies. Kiss me. Not a chance. Well, Mo, how are you? It's been a while. Doing well. It's good to see you guys. You too. You... It's been a while since I've seen both of you together. Yes. Oh, that is true, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, here we are. <sighs> and here you are. You uh, watch the Oscars? Yeah, usually I'm sitting in Gary's chair when I'm watching the Oscars, yeah. They're always on a Sunday, like 5, 6 o'clock. Yeah, but is that like a thing that you enjoy every year? Or I like seeing the highlights, to be honest. I mean, watching three hours of any particular TV show is a, is a lot to ask of anyone. This is um, the, the Academy Awards telecast is a much disputed uh, product that has been under a lot of pressure in these last couple of years to be different in some way. Oh, it's going to be different this year. Why do you think it's going to be very different? I mean, outside of the whole not uh, no host thing, they've done that before, but why do you think it's going to be so different? There's some categories that they're not even going to show, which has received a lot of pushback from members of the Academy, like Best Cinematography. Now, these are awards which are voted on by peers. These are people who are in the industry. So people probably would like to see that category, Best Cinematography, on the screen and televised. It I just thought that make they sense. were going to do it now, that they were going to show them. I've heard both. I've I mean, heard cause... Yeah, because they said they have a three-hour show mandate. They're trying to make sure that all of this is shoehorned into that three-hour time slot. So it could be fluid. And like they have flex programming in football, it may happen. <laughs> it may not happen. Okay. We'll see what goes. We'll see how they meet the clock. We'll see how it goes. We do know that Queen is going to open the telecast. Uh, instead of the traditional 20-minute set of jokes from the half host, like a Queen. monologue. Yeah, half of Queen. I, I think. You mean Freddie Mercury's not going to be there? No. No, he, he will not be. Oh. Uh, Adam, what's his face from uh, from American Idol? It would have been cool if they did the hologram thing. They, hey, maybe they still do. I mean, there's still that's plenty possible. of yeah, that's that's something that they could do. Um, the The issue of Kevin Hart not being the host is, I think, hanging over this thing still, despite the fact that the Academy would love to have people not talk about it. I think that's still going to be an issue going into Sunday night. The Oscars have have historically had a problem with trying to be, to juggle being current and being timely and also being relevant. And you can't be all three many times. Um, We, since we live here, it's hard to explain this to people who live in other parts of the country the amount of money that is spent on these campaigns to push these movies and to whether it's so-and-so for best actress or this movie for best best picture the i mean roma is an example 
Netflix is spending somewhere around 20 to $25 million to push Roma as a Best Picture candidate. That's a the, hell of a lot more than the average. The movie cost $15 million to make. But and they're, they're spending more than that just to push it into the best, can, best but it's picture. But uh, it's not unlike political campaigns where a lot of times you're just trying to influence popular opinion and then motivate them to vote a certain way. It's very similar. It's interesting. It's well, let's fascinating. Go, let's go through some of the, uh, the, the big ones like supporting actress, actor, uh, actress, actor, and then best picture that, that you think we're going to see. So let's start with supporting actress. Supporting actress – uh, the odds-on favorite at this point is Regina King for If Bill Street Could Talk. Uh, there is a growing swell of support for Amy Adams because many times she – I think she's had maybe five nominations mm-hmm. and not one. So she is a dark horse in that regard. Uh, possibly uh, Rachel Weiss for the favorite, but most people are looking at um, Regina King. Supporting actor. The favorite is Mahershala Ali for Green Book. He is beloved by the Academy. Yeah. But a lot of talk about Sam Elliott. A lot of talk with Sam yeah. Elliott. He's never been nominated. He would be the, the heartstrings favorite, including mine. So if 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 a rehearsal doesn't win, I would look at Sam Elliott. What about lead actress? I got to say it's Glenn Close, the wife. Have you guys seen Absolutely. this? I Glenn seen Close. Oh, my God. It was Glenn inc- Close is going to win. She and was incredible. She was almost as good as when she boiled the rabbit. Yes, almost as good. <laughs> almost. You know, she's Not been quite. nominated, I guess, seven times yes. or something. Mm-hmm. I, it was a blind spot for okay, me. Okay, to know that, that point, though, before we get into actor and picture, the, to that point of being nominated so many times and there's a certain point where you're going to get the Oscar eventually, We were. I read through The Hollywood Reporter published a – an anonymous member of the Academy and the breakdown of how they voted and why they voted that way. One of the things that that guy said, it was a man because he said he was a man. Uh, One of the things that guy specifically said was he was voting for black Klansman or he's voting, sorry, for Spike Lee for best director for, for black Klansman, not because it was the best directed film, but because he thought Spike Lee should have won 25 years ago for do the right thing. We've seen this with Denzel Washington. Training Day was not his best acting performance. It would, probably wasn't even the best one of the year, but there were so many overlooked performances. It was almost like the Lifetime Achievement Award. We saw it with Whoopi Goldberg when she won for Ghost, when arguably she should have won for four other pictures prior yeah. to that. It's almost like the Lifetime Achievement Award, but just not a Lifetime Achievement Award. Uh, best actor, who do you think? I think it's going to be Christian Bale in an upset. You wow. So? But I, I mean, I think that Christian Bale's. Uh, Makeup artist for, should win. For Vice, as yes, Dick you know Cheney. Yes. I, mean? I don't know for how best makeup. I think I don't know yes. how much of it was his performance as Dick Cheney. I mean, he did nail it, but how much of it was the costume and the makeup and all of that? Well, what's working against him and also um, Rami Malek is the Oscars usually do not smile upon biopics as far as best actor or best actress. Because you just have to imitate the person. Yeah, Yeah. they they get nominated, but they usually don't win. Um, And then finally, best picture. There's eight movies on this list. I think it's going to be a double win for Roma, best picture, best director. Okay. Wow. Alfonso Cuarón I guess I I should go watch that. It's on Netflix. What's it about? It's about, um, I think the town is Roma. Yeah. Uh, So anyway. Okay, thank you for that. It's a Spanish language film. That's all I, I don't know much about. Oh, I had no idea. All right, Mo, thank you. Have fun. Appreciate it. All right. Gary and Shannon will continue. We have our nine life lessons we've learned from the news this week instead of our nine news nuggets you need to know. We'll also tell you how you can win a couple of uh, movie tickets from Adam Tickets when we come back to Gary and Shannon.
going to need a moment. Why? What happened? Uh, Diane Keaton. Why are you watching Diane, Diane Keaton, Keaton videos? Is still making movies. Yes, and it's the same character over and over and over. I find her likable. Neurotic, but likable. But it is the same character, right? You know, there are generally things I enjoy about your personality, and that is not one of them. <laughs> I, I'm just I don't even saying find that, that mildly amusing. Okay, so I'm just saying that to get this reaction. You know that, right? Diane Keaton is in a movie called Palms. I think she was just in the movie with the other ladies about the Fifty Shades of Grey book. Please, when you say that, I I dry heave. You're doing again. You're doing it on purpose, and I don't think that's funny. This may this may take down whatever uh, fun activities I thought I had for this weekend. You're just gonna sit in a corner and shake and cry, thinking uh, about. I'm Diane gonna make Keaton. some phone calls and ask why the hell are people still paying Diane Keaton to appear in movies. The free movie Friday Thank program you. with yes. Adam Tickets is back. The Adam Tickets app lets you browse movie titles, buy tickets, invite friends, pre-order concessions, all from your phone and skip the lines. Today, Adam Tickets wants to give you a chance at free movie tickets. Text them out. Text MORNING to Adam1, A-T-O-M-1, for your chance to win. Standard data and text message rates may apply. At this day, on a normal Friday, we would do our, what? You were going to say well, something. Well, I just feel time. bad. Yes. Like, what if she's listening? She's not. She's apparently busy making movies. She's not listening to us. Okay. All right. Yeah, usually on a Friday. Okay. Now, we do this game every once in a while where we go, hey, if Jesse Smollett would come in, would we do an interview with him? And I go, well, of course, I, you kind of have to, right? If Diane Keaton walked in here, do you think I would do an interview with her? I don't think you could. I would have a very hard time. I think you'd have a hard You've time. You've seen me in interviews where I have yeah, a hard time, and I'll be looking at the phone. I, yeah, I don't think there would be any or... eye contact happening. Odd. You have, uh, there's very few things that you have such a reaction to. It's a very short list. <laughs> at this time on a Friday, normally we would do our nine news nuggets you need to know, where we talk about all of the stories that maybe fell through the cracks, the funny man bites dog. What is uh, it about her? Is it the fact that she dresses in men's suits? I don't know. Or hats? Maybe. Okay. You don't know. You haven't pinpointed. Hey, Gary. I just go back all the way to every Diane Keaton role I've ever seen and not enjoyed it. I've not enjoyed it. Gary. Yes. It's for you. Honorable mention. Thank you. Not supposed to mention. I was going to mention it when the time was right. It's network policy not to mention it. It's been an honor serving with you all. Didn't I mention it? What an honor it is. Great and honorable Moses. So today we're holding auditions to become the newest member of Honorable Men. But these are life lessons. Taking the place of the nuggets that slip through the cracks throughout the week, we are taking the life lessons we've learned this week through the news, and we are putting them all together here. It, it's from us to you, and it's that's all. I mean, this is open source. Write them down if you want to, because this will change your life. Number honorable mention. Yes. <laughs> Don't urinate on a teenager and record it on video. Uh, Yes, we've learned that one from R. Kelly. In fact, stay away from all sexual activity with teenagers. Good idea. And video cameras. Mm-hmm. Bonus, if you are anyone of any age and any gender, 
Do not sex with teenage girls. You know, that's a good combination right there because that sort of wraps in R. Kelly and Anthony Weiner. <gasps> You're right. You're right. And we did learn from both of them this week. Here's number nine. Uh, number nine. I did nine plays of a cop's dirty nine times out of ten as partner's dirty too. And I speak nine languages. I stay up till nine o'clock. Basically everybody at table nine. I feel ready to go another nine in. Niner. Did I catch a niner in there? Were you calling from a walkie-talkie? Our ninth life lesson is very simple, and it's from today's headlines. If your net worth is anywhere over a billion dollars... Get a hooker delivery service. Do not go to a strip mall in Jupiter, Florida. <laughs> Aren't there things for that? I mean, there are there are there are services. Stuff. You know what? I'll Google it right now. Hooker delivery. Enter. Okay. Let's see what comes up. Yeah, here we go. Now you can hire a prostitute like you hire an Uber. Oh. And this is an article from 2014. Wow. So they've already had five years to revise here's, and perfect the process. Here's the problem with some of the older gentlemen. They don't stay on the cusp of technology. That's what the problem is? That's the least of his problems today. Here's number eight. Every eight seconds. Listening to eight different bosses drone on about mission statements. This life lesson comes to us from Cook County, Illinois. Kids, if you want attention, if you want to make more money at work, work harder. Work harder and you'll get more attention. You'll get a higher salary. Don't stage a hate crime in a city where the police department knows a thing or two about hate crimes. And if you do happen to stage a hate crime don't go on abc and lie about it for half an hour don't be two and a half hours late to that abc interview <laughs> well uh that is just that's one i could put on a card and mm-hmm. put it in my wallet i think it's one of the ones you could put on a card with some nice font frame it and hang it in the kitchen these are the uh, the life lessons that we've learned from the news this week here's number seven the seventh son of the seventh son. We're on for seven days. With the government, Sector 7. Five, seven. Seven a.m. Seven years of college down the drain. Seven. 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 Seven days. Number seven, do not keep your kids in cages. I mean, just somebody write that down. Do not, do not chain up the kids. Do not chain up the kids. Let them eat. Let them use the bathroom. Probably probably daily. Let them and take a shower more than once a year. Shower once a week is even fine, perhaps. Take them to the dentist. Here's number six. I got six. You got six. She got six. Uh, number six. Dude, there's six more weeks of winter. Why do you have a picture of me, a rabbi, and six drunken longshoremen? Why don't we just stick her in a nursing home closer to us so I don't have to drive six hours? Drink another six-pack. Number six. If you've committed a rape and or murder in the last five decades, you're going to be caught. Your time's up. Simple. Hashtag time's up. Your DNA was everywhere, and it, someone's going to find it. CeCe Moore is going to find it. You are in and trouble. She's going to lock you up. And, and you thought these were going to be your golden years? No, sir. You're not going to be spending any time at the Orchid Day Spa in Jupiter, Florida. These are the nine life lessons that we have learned from the news this week. We'll come back and give you our top five 
Life Lessons from the Gary and Shannon Show. <laughs> Gary and Shannon. I have uh, an addendum to one of our life lessons. Oh, okay. I believe it was life lesson Stretch number nine. Yeah. Your net worth is anywhere north of a billion dollars. Get a hooker delivery service. Right. I've gone ahead and done the legwork for you. There's an app called Rendezvous. Okay. Rendezvous, R-E-N-D-E-V-U, offers on-demand, secure, and private bookings in the world of adult entertainment, escorts, massage providers, adult wait staff, dancers, and performers of all persuasions. Yes, you. What is adult wait staff? Hmm. Would it be like a topless waitress? Mm. Yeah. Okay. I'll press a button now. For five minutes! I have five rules. We begin bombing in five minutes. Five little monkeys. This is the year 5.5. Do me a favor and lose five pounds immediately. Well, the uh, fifth life lesson today, if you're going to admit smoking pot in college. And listening to Tupac and Snoop. Please don't say it was your Jamaican heritage that was the reason. Because you're going to piss off Dad. Not only are you going to piss off Dad, you're going to piss off the entire country of Jamaica. Um, I kind of feel like that ship has sailed, though. Like, Kamala Harris is not going to further the belief that Jamaicans like to smoke pot. Right. She's not... Bob Marley (laughs) is the guy you got to take issue with. I contend he never smoked pot. Here's number four. Four minutes! He's probably on his fourth tranquilizer by now. Commandment number four! There goes the fourth amendment. This isn't the same world you left four years ago, sir. This is an important one, kids. If you find yourself in front of any federal judge facing any federal criminal charges, don't post Instagram photos of said federal judge. And definitely don't pull out a random photo from Google Images that includes anything that can be construed as crosshairs. That's a that's a Roger Stone Dumb lesson ass. right there. Well, um, at least he didn't get sent to prison for it. Uh, they just got a gag order imposed on him. How about number three? Three shall be the number thou shalt count, and the number of the counting shall be three. They were dead within three hours. Three. Security clearance level three. All three of you. Three. I got all three of you guys for the rest of your natural-born lives. After about three days, they both start to stink. Again, our third life lesson that we've learned from the news these last weeks. Uh, do not remove any piece of clothing other than a jacket on any flight of any length. Do not strip down to your old man dad boxer shorts that are the length of Larry Bird's playing shorts. Especially if you have super white legs with super black hair. Gross. Don't take off your socks either, sir. And if you get cold on the flight, don't put your jacket back on. Put your damn pants on. Wow, here's number two. What's going on, you two? Pick out two fingers. One, two. There are two people in the there's two sons and no women. Two ringy If you've got any desire to live in and enjoy the rights and privileges of the United States, do not travel to Syria to fight on behalf of ISIS. Write that down. Get knocked up by a bunch of bros who've sworn to destroy Western civilization. Do not travel to Syria. Got it. Okay. Huh. Got it. That's the one I wrote down. Here's number one. 
We're number one. You're a number one. We're number one, Ben. That's all that counts. I decide to look out for number one. Are you the number one? <laughs> Row number one. Number one. Uh, number one. This is your favorite. I don't know why this is number one other than you had final say on it. The number one life lesson that we learned from the news today. Never, under any circumstances, have sexual relations with your roommate's sister's baby daddy. (laughs) Even if your roommate's sister's mother set it all up to boost ratings for her reality show. (laughs) There you go. And I did it without saying the name Kardashian. We've got to really get that last half hour, all those uh, 10 life lessons, and put them in some sort of library of Congress. <laughs> I don't think they'll take it. I don't think they'll take it. Uh, John and Ken, up next. We'll see you Monday. Stay dry, everybody. Gary and Shannon's side studio show. Weather is just terrible right now back east, and it makes me remember that I can't talk. So the weather back east has been unbelievable. And they'll create a solar system and financing package that fits your budget. That fits your budget, not their bottom line. So you need an ultra low monthly payment or the money from the top. Yeah. Maybe cash back. Throw in a free vehicle electric solar powered building and solar panel manufacturing plant from the top. I'm out of practice. Stonefire Grill is nourishing and even better every day with their family meals perfect for four. Visit your local Stonefire Grill or go to stonefiregrill.com to play. Mother. We needed to make our home something. Well, the. This has been Gary and Shannon's side studio show. Stay tuned for more outtakes and bloopers. Stay outtakes and bloopers. Oh, you know what I'm saying. We're going to keep scrolling up. Gary and Shannon. He's giving it the big build up there, and he did not deliver at all. What a shame. Nobody wants to see that.